This is Playfully, the podcast that talks with the most playful people I know and asks them how they got to be so playful. I'm Emily Cordy Straff. My guest today is a creative through and through. He's led diverse teams of creatives and corporate and education partners to craft innovative concepts. He's created and executively produced short form animated and musical videos for young children using story to create a connection with kids. He is the chief developmental officer of a gaming product toy company called Huge Play, which he started with colleagues after working for Fisher Price for 40 years. He also has a consultant business called Playful Narrative, which I thought was perfect for the Playfully audience. And I wanted to talk with him because of this keen understanding he seems to have of play and how to make things to play with. Please welcome David Seganko. Thank you. Hello. Hey, did I say your name right? Seganko, very few people get it right. You got it right. Good oh, job. Okay. <laughs> well, David, you've done a lot in the play industry on the ground floor um, and just working to inspire uh, children to play and adults to, to make the things to play uh, with. And I'm just wondering, like, have you ever, uh, have you always considered yourself sort of an elf? How did you get to this place? <laughs> well, you know, it's it's funny. Um, I, I, uh, I'm i a trained industrial designer, went to the Cleveland Institute of Art, got my degree in industrial design, which seems like an old word, but it's actually a, a very important word. Uh, industrial cool. design. And I didn't know it at the time, but everything I would do during the five years that I was there was playful. When people were serious, I was doing something fun. Even my fifth year thesis was uh, actually a toy to help uh, developmentally challenged children uh, stack and, and do I things. It. I didn't really, you know, I didn't, you know, I knew toys, I'm all about toys and so forth, but I didn't know that toy business exists that to do something. And, and uh, I happened to be at the school doing some summer work and Ideal Toys, an old, old company called and said they were looking for somebody. Uh, and I said, well, he's not there, but I am. And next thing I knew I was in toy business. Uh, so it was uh, very interesting, and and, and ever since, uh, you know, I worked three years at Ideal, which was the old classic uh, toy company that I actually learned a lot more about manufacturing and and that sort of thing. A lot of the uh, toy industry is very much inventor driven, so I met a lot of the inventors and so forth. Then I then I came to Fisher Price and stayed because what Fisher Price was about was more than just a business. It was it was a, it was a culture. It was a uh, it was uh, something that I was trained uh, as, and that's uh, an observationist. Uh, you know, Herm Fisher of Fisher Price, uh, er, in the early, well, probably might have been fifties. I'm not sure exactly. He uh, turned his office into uh, a place where he'd bring children in and observe them playing, mm. and that turned into the highly successful Fisher Price Playlet because observation. Uh, with kids is really important. Uh, I, anything a designer does is based on observation. So uh, that's what uh, that's what's really, really important. And they're, they're your toughest critics. Uh, mm -hmm. They may not be able to tell you exactly, but if, if they ignore an idea or walk away, you know, you probably haven't hit the, hit, hit the uh, mark. Uh, so yeah. Gotta, doesn't have the right bell. Doesn't have the right whistle. Right. Yeah. 
Well, that is so fascinating to me. I'm an occupational therapist and I work with young children. Right now I'm working in early intervention, so zero to three. And I'm always trying to find the toy, the right toy to entice and to expand their attention. Right. Yeah. During my career at Fisher Price, I pretty much worked on every category from birth to three, four years old. Actually, actually did uh, pre-birth because I I helped found the uh, juvenile product area, the very first uh, baby monitor, listening monitor, uh, which had never been done before. Um, and, and part of, you know, because it's a business and, you know, the toy business is still fashion, but in the case of children, it's more important of what you're delivering to the child and, and having the parent alongside you and, and so, uh, that's really, really important. So, um, you know, there's sure there's, there's a lot of sudden fun and and silly along the way, but there's also some serious, a lot of, a lot of learning, uh, before I left Fisher Price, I actually was tasked with the simple thing that they basically said, can you reinvent um, preschool learning? <laughs> I said, no problem. Um, but it was, it was a, it was an interesting journey. I really got involved in it. Yeah. So, so like link with educators and try to. Yes. We worked with uh, several universities um, and uh, of course, a lot of information internally, we, you know, in our, in our, in the play lab, there was a lot of, uh, there's several, uh, Play lab personnel that have PhDs in education, uh, but we 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 challenged ourselves in a lot of different ways and kind of came up with some interesting approaches to things. Mm-hmm. And it was it was more about because obviously STEM and STEAM, you know, that was in the forefront of of everything. But but what was out there was pretty much bits and little things and so forth like that. Where was the fun in the play? And and how do you learn? And one one of the in particular a product that that was developed. Uh, which I thought was just tremendous, was called the Codapillar. Um, simple coding, you know, uh, sequencing, basically. Mm-hmm. And so it was a segments of, of of a caterpillar, and every segment had a direction on it. And as you snap them together, you, you basically would have him go straight and turn and go this way. And what happened there would, was amazing, because especially the younger kids who were or doing parallel play, they're rarely working, you know, together. I actually saw them working together to try to get to an obstacle. Let's make the caterpillar go over to the food there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we have to do? And you saw them actually sharing and putting things together. So it was more of a, a fun activity. And oh, by the way, they were under they were starting to learn sequencing or pre-coding, you know, uh, which was very interesting. And so, you know, that was the the kind of the start of rethinking of uh of learning. So there's a lot of product out there with buttons and buttons and letters and so forth, and that's all fine. But uh, you know, how how do you have fun with uh, with learning? You know, right, so. right. We're just starting to learn that you have to have fun in order to create uh, memory for the actual pl- or to to create the learning. Exactly. Uh, set up learning so that it's um, you know, kids have an appetite for it. Yeah. Right. right. And and you want you want something that that. Um, it's not a one and done type of thing. You want them to come back to the to the product, the toy, and experience it in different ways. And that's the biggest challenge. How do you how do you create a product that that allows the child to play? Not for you to tell the child how to play, but the child actually can play into it. And underneath it, it works. That's the big challenge. Yeah. Uh, satisfying when you when you make sure you happen. So okay, so I am picturing 
I'm picturing little balls that you kind of put together, but they have some kind of computerized uh, mat, you know, something to get to that tells it, you know, this ball is attached to this, which makes you go up and this ball is attached to this that makes it go over, right? But it's it's a physical kind of uh, toy. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the segments of a caterpillar and little feet on them. And, uh, and there's, there's the head where the motor is and all the electronics. And then you join them together actually through a USB connection, very, very simple. And it understands sequencing. You know, when you said go straight and the next one says turn left and the next one says go straight fast. Uh, and then you press it, it does it. And the kids are totally amazed at that, you know? Yeah. And they repeat it and, and they, they, they become more challenging to the point we actually wanted to give them uh, tasks to do. Like, like say we just, we, we included little uh, plates of food Got to feed the caterpillar, you uh -huh. know. So uh, let's you throw it across, yeah, you throw it out across the room and try to get there. And you know, it's not it's not a straight line ever. So <laughs> you know, so it, it was it was a good experiment in uh, in learning, uh, which I had fun with. That's really and of course of course all you know all the all all the different levels of depending on the age group. Now that that happened to be more, you know, uh, toddler to preschool age. You know, the the younger children are a little bit different and now you approach things but uh trying to solve a, 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 a problem for a child but also solving a problem for the parent uh you know some of them are very simple but way back a zillion years ago we uh we were observing parents because we observed uh and they would constantly now this this is going to seem like really but but this was many years ago they would lay their kids down on, on blankets and throw some toys on it. And we said, we should actually attach some toys to a blanket. And that was the very first plate wolf that's ubiquitous now. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, forth. so, you know, solving that problem by, by observation is, which is so really critical. How do you know when to observe and when to implement a new idea? Well, you're, you're always kind of observing. I mean, you know, it, because it's a business, you know, there are certain parameters that you, you have to look at. We got to do a, a product for this this age group, you know, X amount of money and so forth. And then what, what's our what's our learning objective? If it is a, a learning product, if it's a, you know, and I have had my my fair share of, of licensed properties that you have to take uh, and, and, and make a product work. But, you know, how do, how do they best play? And, and the licensed properties are, are probably the most interesting is I... I, uh, you know, I have a certain love-hate relationship with licensed properties because- Are you talking about, I don't understand the licensed properties that like- Like a, a Disney something or a Pixar and so forth. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it's good because from a business point of view, it gets people interested and so forth. Mm -hmm. From a, a, a play part, and that is the biggest challenge is how do you make, how do you make something interesting and, and not prescriptive mm -hmm. on, on uh, on how to play with it. And, you know, we were successful in a number of different, different ways. As a matter of fact, I've had, I've had, uh, when we, we've met with Pixar, I've had compliments saying, you guys really know how to tell a story with your, with your product. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's a big compliment because mm -hmm. if, you, if, if it's the product, allowing the child to tell the story with the product, which is really the most important. So, uh, and it, so the, the whole observation, Two, when you do something, it, it uh, there's a number of different ways that it happens, and and innovation is never a straight line. It's always all over the place. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's 
it's it's a combination of many many things let's put it that way mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. yeah i think too uh, we're just starting i think it's fascinating that your um ideas for narrative and your ideas for story are so rich and and so embedded and i think uh, now we're finally getting a little more wise about how emotions and emotional health and emotional wisdom is actually a skill that we can skill up our children to, to know and things. And I think, um, do you think that it's through story that we teach that? Because there's no like, you know, it's not like you can snap on something and then learn about <laughs> happy or sad or can you right right yeah i mean story provides i mean it's often linear but story provides provides that opportunity and and story is very fundamental beginning middle end you know type of type of things and it, it allows you to kind of kind of get involved in it in a, in a different way and and the, the trick is is to be able to let them experiment in the story itself Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I don't know how many times with Fisher Price little people, I'd watch the kids in with the farm, and they they would be telling their stories. They would put the, they go, well, here's the cow goes on the roof, the roof uh, on on the roof, and he's talking to the pig on the roof because they just ate breakfast downstairs, and it makes no sense at all, but it makes sense to them, and they they started to to be able to work. Now, it it it's helpful if there's someone there to ask questions. You know that, uh, that you know that scaffolding, which is which is really good, but it's okay uh, e even not to, because the, the biggest the biggest thing that they're looking for is they're looking for why, why does it do that? Why does it do that? I mean, it's an important important part of, of preschool learning uh, on on what they need to do. Hmm. Looking for why I like that. Actually, the. Um, this series of four or five videos we did with little people, the whole series was based uh, around why. You know, one of the videos was, why don't cows wear shoes? I mean, as silly as it is, now it keeps them interested and they, they think about it, but you go through a series of, well, who wears shoes, who doesn't wear, why do you wear shoes, you know, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So the answering the why, because why is really the most important. It's the basic, the basic- It's the most complicated. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. The hardest yeah. one to teach. There's nothing to nail it down. Really. No, no, I know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. there, you know, there's a lot of room. I mean, I think toys have, unfortunately, you know, started to become too reliant on, on these licensed properties, unfortunately, mm -hmm, I uh, agree. Which, which, which is difficult because you pay dearly as a company for royalties, you know, to, to do this. And, and it's a combination of all the other things that are happening in the world for costs, which which has saddened me recently because the product that I see out on the shelves are a shell, so to speak, of what they used to be because you can't afford the features because you have to pay a royalty if you if it's a license. You, you mean the Fisher Price has to pay a royalty? Is yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You pay dearly for the big ones. I didn't yeah. know if uh, the the like Disney or Toy Story or wh whatever whoever's doing it uh, is asking Fisher Price, hey, can you make a toy that's the the the? Is that not? Oh, how they will. They will. They rarely ask you tell you what to do. They'll say, hey, I've got uh, I've got this property called Toy Story. Why don't you come in and see it and bid on bid on getting the rights for it? Okay, and uh -huh. then. So 
we would go through a developmental process and do a major dog and pony show to them uh, uh, to, to get the license because, you know, there's a good income. Now, that comes with a price because the percentages and royalties are extremely high. But one can argue well, that you're paying for the story. Yeah, yeah. You're paying for a pre-established story and, and recognizable characters, which I think is fine. I, I think we've become too dependent on these recognizable characters because you still can have some some fun with with everything as well. So um it's just uh I think you know basic toys and, and most of the toy industry is it's heading towards the the licensed property. Some of them are start are doing homegrown uh stories like Paw Patrol uh from Spin Master. That was a homegrown uh story that uh that works, but it's still uh it's still expensive. Uh you know the toy industry in itself is a fashion industry you know year in and year out no matter how you look at it uh and it's and it's an expensive it's it's very capital intense uh, mm -hmm. to develop. no i said and it's, so it's 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 a challenge from a lot of reasons because you got to get through that but you got to make sure you save you save what's important and that's the child of the play you know uh not just the business side so there's always a you know it's always the great tension between uh business marketing people and the creatives you know, uh, it's always, always at, at, at yeah, I. Yeah, yeah. So. It sounds like you have, I mean, you've had many, many decades working in that field and you, you still seem very committed to the young child's experience. And so. Oh, yes. Uh, even more so. Uh, it, it, it disturbs me so much about reading about, uh, reading and math skills and what's happening uh you know and 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 how how everything's falling behind uh and, and are are we providing the right stimulus for a child doesn't mean you have to go buy things but are we are we are we providing the right stimulus are we are we you know i've i've always felt that music is one of the most important things for for children as well uh and it helps them with a lot of, a lot of levels everything from movement to to singing to dancing to, to everything as mm -hmm. well but you know, it, it's um, it's one of those things that it's still a passion. I still, I still, like I said, I still create intellectual properties because it's fun. Whether they actually become properties or not, it's it's okay. But I, and as a matter of fact, at near the end of uh, Fisher Price when I was there, um, I well, last couple of years, I started a group called Story Led Innovation. And where you actually started with story, you didn't, you didn't say, okay, I wanted to, I don't want to do the school bus. Okay. It was more about, let's, let's tell a story uh, about uh, a bus, our children. And then next thing you know, you're starting through the story, you're starting to develop an idea that's more sound mm -hmm. uh, as uh, it's, it's a kind of a remarkable way to do things. It's just kind of interesting. It's the same thing with part of that story led innovation was something we developed called Storyvine that basically we would get mom and dads, grandparents, and we we do one-on-one -on -one interviews, you know, maybe 25 of them. And we we talk about a general topic and you, you just listen to them. You know, it's a listening kind of survey. And as, as you listen to them and you kind of go back and it's a, it's long and laborious, but uh, you listen to them and you hear, you hear certain things that come up that are similar. And those are the things that are topical today. Cause if you, if you ask the question directly, you shake the answer. So, uh, you know, it's important to kind of listen and see how they're, they're reacting to things. And I think that that's one of the many tools on, on development as well. They, 
they may come up with something as a trend that's that's totally not not today, but they're thinking about it. You know, it's it's kind of the human human psyche. Because like I said, the children aren't talking. You know, <laughs> they're they're reacting, but they uh, but they uh, it's it's a different approach. No. Yeah. Hmm. Well, David, um, do you ever get to be Santa? <laughs> uh, well, we we've uh, we've had opportunities to kind of go out to children's hospitals and you know over the holidays and so forth. And we've done that. So uh, we've given away pro you know product and toys and you know it's it's the fundamental. Be, okay, would, let's play. Would you rather? Would you rather be Santa or the elf? Well, I'd rather be the elf, basically. <laughs> I uh, yeah, no, yeah, because they're they're creating the stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much Santa really tells them what exactly to do, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you: Would you say you're good at playing? I think so. I mean, it, it's uh, it's something we've all kind of grew up with, you know. Uh, I I happen to remember um, playing with some toys early on, and I do remember telling stories as I played. Uh, I remember there was a, um, I don't even know what company it was, but it was a, it was a, a lunar lander kind of product that had some gears and things that happened. I love telling the story of where it's going, how it went and, and so forth, and just kind of stayed with it. I remember my parents bought me a, um, this was way back when, bought me a small reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder. And I remember putting on stories and background and so forth and, and performing. And so the, that, that inherent playability certainly was in me. I think everybody has it. It's just a question that they stop after a period of time. Um, you know, and it's, it's just that. And I think that's what makes a, a toy designer is they haven't stopped playing. Of course, it has changed a little bit now because of the, the new term of kid adults. You know, parents are now starting to play with uh, uh, the toys as well because they're it's just a slightly different generation, but it's, you know, I think we're all, I, I like, I like, I like playing, you know? Yeah. So uh, you still play. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard that kiddos. Oh no, it's, it's a trend that's been around for probably for, I said that might be 10 years now. Uh, it was, it was small, but now it's seen I don't know. Uh, where, where, you know, parents are playing more with their children more than they've ever had. Oh yeah. Um, and and they're also playing even without their children so with some of the toys because it's kind of, they're kind of interesting uh, because they grew up with more toys available to them and 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 something so they're holding on to that that kind of kidult uh, that's what they call them kidults mm -hmm. which is interesting yeah that's interesting um, is there someone in your past you learned to play from or who you think of when you think of playing as a child hmm. Well, you know, I know uh, back when I was younger, my older brother, who who was also an artist at the time, I would uh, I would get certain kind of toys, and then he would uh, paint up a uh, diorama, so to speak, to to put the product on. And I know he was doing that to kind of encourage me to to uh, tell stories with it, with the product. That's that's one of the things that uh, that have done that. You know, it's very influenced with with. Uh, you know, I was very fortunate when I came to Fisher Price. I was there uh, for the first six to eight months. 
I was fortunate to, to work alongside the original, I wouldn't call them designers, they're more like inventors, engineers, the people that made the original Fisher-Price product mm -hmm. and how they approached play, you know, and it's just not the same anymore, you know, it's usually mechanisms and so forth. So I was very fortunate to uh, to have them before they went off and retired and, and so forth. Uh, and kind of went. Uh, but, it, but it evolves, everything evolves over a period of time. and. Uh, um, it certainly does in the toy industry, that's for certain. <laughs> yeah, so you were able to learn from them, too, in your yeah. adult life, how to play. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What makes play important? What makes play important? Well, I, th I think it has to do with everything. I, I, you know, it's the asking why. It's the, it's the, uh, the ability to actually smile and laugh. It's uh, the ability to... Uh, to try things on that are different. Uh, it's the ability to manipulate. Uh, it's all those things that uh, that uh, that happen. Mm -hmm. You know, it comes back to that why question. I'm I'm really stirred by that and really interesting because I think of from my background and working with so many speech pathology um, clinicians and how you know we usually. Uh, with a child who has like language delays, I work in autism a lot. And so, you know, usually the goals are for what, uh, let's, let's see if they know where those are, the, these are the first building blocks. And, uh, it's not until much later, they have all of those. And then we go for why, but I'm just wondering, I'm just realizing that what you're saying is that an probably this is true is that why is always in there that yeah, yeah. just never it's not yeah I don't know why I didn't think about that but yeah kids are always going for that why from a exactly. toy perspective that's that makes so much sense exactly I mean it's it, it may not be you know obvious but there are always figuring out well if I put this here and I put this here well, why did why did that happen you know I mean it's a simple it's a simple thing and it's an important thing well, it's an important thing if you want them to keep coming back, right? Because if they stop asking why, then it's like, hmm, I guess they figured that out or that doesn't. Yeah, well, I mean, but it's also, um, it 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 kind of hones your skill a little bit more. Because if I asked why and I figured it out, maybe next time I'll ask why, you know, because I, I know that you're going to, you can figure something out. I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, or maybe they've mastered it or something yeah. and they don't need any more why. That's why a toy has to be, kind of innovative and have a varied kind of uh, response. Right, exactly. You know, the simplest toys, a stacking ring toy is is all about, you know, why? Well, why, why do I need the smaller one on top of the bigger one? You know, it mm -hmm. doesn't look, you know, it, it, it's always, always there, always part of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Well, uh, have you ever had a period where you played too hard? That played too hard? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know if there is such a thing as playing too hard. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you certainly, you know, I remember running around as a little little boy in the neighborhood, and my mom would say, you know, come in already, you're doing too much, you know, maybe. Uh, I, I don't think you can play too hard. Uh -huh. um, you know, I don't think you know you're playing. You're You're just having fun. So um, yeah, that's part of it. Yeah. <laughs>
haven't thought about playing too hard. Yeah. I, well, you're not playing hard enough, you know? Right, right. I think that's happening for a lot of us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you think play connects you to others? I, I think, uh, can it can it connect others? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, does it connect? Does playing, the act of playing, does it connect us with others? You kind of talked about how in the play lab, which is so interesting how we make a, a scientific matter of playing. I feel like that's what this podcast is. It's like my brain like needs the science to, to know how to play. But anyway, going back to the um, play lab, you know, you talked about how even for young kids, you found a toy that you made that uh, kind of uh, hyper developmentally um, kind of launched them into more interactive play rather than the more, you know, the parallel play, playing right next to each other, not really um, sharing um, the toys or not really commenting on toys of another person or not really, really um, being able to play with another person, but you found a toy that was able to. Um, so something like that. I mean, do you think that that is um, just playing in general? And I think of this from an adult perspective, you know, be, for Playfully is um, our podcast is more about adults and thinking about adults playing. Not that we don't think about children playing. Of course we do. But uh, I think about playing as a way of connecting our minds with another person and I just want to see what your perspective is on that. No, I think, um, you know, play, you don't have to be a certain age to be, to be play. Um, I mean, I think that's why some of the kid alt product mm -hmm. is happening because it's fun. It's uh, imaginative. It's something a little bit different. I think you can, you can connect. Doesn't mean if you have a three-year-old that you can't, play alongside them or or develop some things. I mean, gosh, that goes back to all the families that played board games, you know, and you always you always would play with them and have fun as an adult uh, while the child's having fun on their level, mm -hmm. you know, because you always let them win because you'd be in big trouble. But, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's all part of the, um, it, you know, it's part of the thing. And I think the connection of a place, it just doesn't happen as much, unfortunately. And, and you know, we're talking to uh, about children in general and not every children has, you know, uh, a lot, the, the ability to have a lot of great toys in, in come and so forth and, uh, and that sort of stuff. But it doesn't mean you still can't have fun uh, doing something. It, it, it takes, you know, you just can't say, okay, go, go play. Yeah, they will to a point, but you need to kind of do, give some stimulus uh, along with it. And that stimulus needs to be through the parent and the parents got to be able to, to, to say, hey, it's okay to play. It's all right. I know what play is. It doesn't always connect, unfortunately, but you know, I think there needs to be more. Um, I think parents need to learn, remember how to play, quite frankly, a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Sure, certainly a lot of them are well attuned to that, but there are a lot that, that don't, they barely get through the day, you know, mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. So mm -hmm. connection is important. Yeah, connection. Certainly with parent and child. Yeah, that's something that's, you know, that's what I do all day long is, you know, try to figure out how to link yeah. parents with their children's play and, and 
link children's play with their parents' expectations. And yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, yeah, there's some piece of our uh, society in, in adult society where we, um, I think we struggle to see other people's perspectives sometimes, or we struggle to listen to one another. And I think that uh, I feel like we could stand to um, do a little bit more playing with one another. Too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's, yeah. uh, you know, even even within a, in the toy company, we would have events that we play. We just Ooh. go out and have fun and, and do that, you know? Yeah, what does a toy company uh, employee event look like? Well, I mean, there, there's a lot of ways. Well, there's the serious ones with the numbers, but the uh, but we will. One of the things we did at, um, uh, at Fisher Price, which was wonderful, is we did uh, benchmarking. We would go to some major companies such as um, IDEO, Cirque du Soleil, uh, P and G, uh, and we go there. We listen how they approach play. Hmm. And in turn, we would tell them how we, and it would inevitable there'd be something that that they do that we didn't realize could benefit, you know, Fisher Price, mm -hmm. the toy company. And I thought that was that was really a wonderful uh, mm -hmm. approach to all that because because pe people do it, and don't realize they do it. You know, they don't they don't realize they 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 are inventive and they they are uh, yeah. There's the business side, you know, it's the numbers and so forth, but that's not really. Uh, it really starts with the product. And that's one of the reasons I stayed forever at Fisher Price. It was a product driven company. Mm -hmm. uh, it's changed, but the product driven first. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, mm -hmm. Because it's, it's, a, it's the person that's using the toy. It's not about the, the numbers. Now, again, that's the creative against the business people, but you know, um, that it'll always be my mission to be creative and make sure the best products put on the table. Important. Uh, mm -hmm. I was just picturing, you know, at a lot of conventions that I go to for my, for my profession, you know, you, you show up and there's, there's usually pastries and coffee and, you know, stuff like that. And then, you know, some chatting, you know, polite chatting and introducing each other and stuff like that before the headliner comes on or whatever. And I was just envisioning a play company, like maybe they would have a paper airplane making back and forth or. Oh, something. we've done that. We've uh that's something we, that do. we get together and we do i know we we brought in a, a pop-up book author and we all created pop-up books you know uh -huh. uh, we had uh we did uh mask we had somebody come in and talk about mask and we all all did mask it had nothing to do with any particular product line we just it was a way to engage in in creativity mm -hmm. uh, and have fun while you're while you're doing it mm -hmm. you, know, you know some people struggled some people had a great time and, uh, and the let the more less inhibitions you had the better i think i think i think parents have to realize that it's okay you need it's okay to get on the floor and play you know yeah. do something silly you know it's, it's a, okay it's, to get uh paint everywhere yeah and, exactly exactly uh, have glitter and glue in places right. That, right 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 you know you might have um family dinner or something <laughs> exactly exactly well i'm gonna say something kind of uh, Zach Galifianakis or from The Shining. I don't know which one. Do you know that show uh, Between Two Ferns? Yeah, love it. <laughs> really 
all work and no play, David. Yeah. What does this do? Well, I mean, that's that's the problem. You can't see the forest through the trees. You know <laughs> that whole thing. You you uh, uh you know, there it, it still goes back to that that issue is that you've got to you've got to see the creativity first before the business side actually takes over. You know, you've got to you've got to remain diligent to saying if we're in the business of play. Play's got to be the, the the very first thing, not the business side, and that's that's what I think is uh, mm -hmm. is important. It, it does get lost, and I'm not you know bashing on on the business side because it is a company. You, know, you get you got all that you got to deal with, you know, mm -hmm. uh, shareholders and you know men that sort of stuff and numbers, and otherwise you you don't have a business. But it, but it's really being able to to focus on what you what are you there for? You're a toy company, okay. I think toys are pretty important. It's not trivial. It's uh, uh, it's not it's not label slapping. It's not uh, it's not just doing something to do do something to make a profit. You, you're you're there, and you need to be meaningful to the to the child itself. And you know it is a bit egotistical, but it is true. You're influencing a, a child's life and uh, and their development. Uh, I don't think a lot of companies think that way. I think they more churn. But I, I know my career has been about how do we best, you know, influence the child and, and their and hopefully they come away with something, they remember something, you know, uh, that's really important from the play. Have you worked with, uh, I know you mentioned this a little bit in your early career, have you worked with developmental and therapeutic toys much? I think of you know, I'm a sensory integration therapist. So a lot of our toys are, have affordances for trying to hit a lot of the sensory aspects of, the, you know, a child's developing body. So we'll have like a messy, sticky play, a tub of messy, sticky something or other, or we'll have something that's um, you know, a kid can like kind of walk across that's kind of wiggly, you know, so that they have to touch it or feel, you know, feel what it means in their body or. Um... We, you know, we've, those are always tough to uh, create a product for mm. uh, because it does take a lot of external help uh, to make it happen. We've been involved very much in that and studied it certainly developmental, uh, developmentally, uh, a lot of things, a lot of sensory things. There was a product, not quite exactly what you're talking about, but I, I developed years ago that, uh, I was at some trade show. I can't remember what it was. And they had, as, uh, they had some artists painting these giant pictures to music. And I said, hmm, it'd be interesting if a child could hear what they drew. So we developed a, 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 a tablet that as you drew it, and there are a whole bunch of buttons behind it. And as it drew, as you drew, it would make music. And so that was kind of a, a way to say, okay, I, I, I have influence on what I, what I do. So it's, it's somewhat of that, again, making it playful, not, you know, strictly, you know, by the book. Right more yeah. yeah. Write a B. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's cool. Yeah. I, always kind of think about these therapeutic toys that would be good to, uh, you know, when I'm an occupational therapist, so I think about self-care a lot and trying to build independent skills for 
um, just getting ready in the morning and stuff like that. And, I sure, think and there's a lot of that in, in toys. I mean, all the role playing toys, you know, everything, mm -hmm. the food sets to, you know, mm -hmm. uh, right. all the other things. Uh, those mm -hmm. are the important things. Yeah. 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 That always seems really intriguing to me to like maybe have uh, been the ear of industrial designer like yourself and, you know, try to tell you, oh, I'd really like something that is interesting for enticing a child for nail clipping, you yeah. know, and I can think of something, but I bet you could think of a much better one. Yeah. Well, you'd have to, yeah, figure out. Yeah. There's a lot of, that's a lot of, a lot of sharp edges on that, that idea. So. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon the part. Do you use a lot of um, 3D printers and that sort of thing? Have you ever used much of that? We, uh, you know, I'm, I'm from the old school that, you know, when I graduated there, well, quite frankly, there weren't really even computers. Uh, everything was done with uh, markers yeah. and drawing. And so I, I would hand build everything, a lot of hand build. But over the years, um, we, would, we would get pretty sophisticated uh, 3D printing. Uh, devices and and the, the the thing that's important is um you know the 3d geometry is incredible people that are good and proficient in it are incredible however i i always insist i want somebody to go down to a model shop and just crudely make something so you can pick it up and touch it and turn it and feel it yeah you can do that on a on a, on a screen but that's not the same as holding it you right. know and toy you know it's important um, and, and oftentimes 3d printing is, is somewhat of a slave to, to what you did digitally. So I've always, I always wanted people to get something really quick to make it feel, then go to your 3d geometry, then do your three, 3d printing. Mm -hmm. That made a big difference. Yeah. I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about how you're talking about that. And I'm looking at the talking Tom behind you, which is, you know, a toy that, uh, or it's just, it was an app, right? That, that we originally, all, yeah, originally, yeah. originally we all played that. And yeah. yeah. And David has uh, the actual talking Tom figure behind him. <laughs> right. Right. And it was, uh, you know, again, it was marrying two different things together. You know, kids do like to play these simple runner games on the phone and a talking Tom had a lot of them. And we said, well, what if we actually had somebody play along with you and comment as you're playing and making it work and, and say things like, wow, you missed them or wow, nice jump. That's pretty magical. And then on top of it, have him just say a lot of different things as you go. So you, you've got that connection with the, with the licensed property, but it's also part of your play and I encourage you in a different way. So mm -hmm. that was a fun project to work on. Mm -hmm. That's cool. It's huge. <laughs> well have you ever caught yourself playing and shamefully decided to stop or had to you know kind of pull yourself together <laughs> oh well yeah i suppose at any given time you know sometimes i get too far into research or something realizing that you know i'm enjoying it way too much i gotta step back a little bit you know that happens Wait, does your research look like you playing with the toys sometimes yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little less when you're on your own because you can't afford to buy all these toys. But yeah, when <laughs> with the companies, you're always put you know, your office. Most designers are always have their offices full of toys. Yeah. Because 
that's what you have. And you always make reference, like, what was I thinking? I was thinking about that action hero that did this, you know, and so you, you, you pull that out. So uh, that that's important, you know, and you, you're, uh, you're playing with them differently. Oh my gosh. That sounds so fun. Uh, I think I need to go play. Yeah. Everybody needs to play. That's, that's, that's for certain. That's everybody needs to play. I like that. I want to work for a toy company. Do they need therapists? Well, I'm sure. Well, you know, I mean, uh, we had we had uh, some of the teachers. I think were 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 therapists at one point. And again, we we don't it, it we don't have a structure in in this particular case in the play lab at Fisher Price. It wasn't structured, but it was observational, mm -hmm. and they would they would be there, kind of watching and seeing what was going on. Certainly, we would. We would watch and observe, but we we take things in and and so forth, and we we'd see what they can and can't do, uh, and that in a, in its way, it's kind of the, the the therapy of what they can do. Like I I've done many a product that a kid can't do it, you know. Uh, yeah. You gotta you gotta figure well, that's dumb. I gotta figure out how to make sure they can do it, or, or it's not gonna work. Yeah, yeah. I I'm doing a lot of research. I'm working on my doctorate in occupational therapy. And uh, so I am working on a research project. And so I'm doing a lot of research, uh, particularly about outdoor play. And we're, you know, thinking a lot about the affordances. And there's a lot of research that kind of talks about the affordances that are in uh, playgrounds and in play spaces, outdoor um, play spaces that have to do with, um, you know, for a child sometimes with a disability, um, you know, so then we have playgrounds that are, you know, ADA certified or whatever to be accessible. However, they, some of the materials aren't always accessible for all. Playgrounds are a difficult challenge uh, on a lot of levels, certainly. Um, you know, to, to, because of the regulation, because of the uh, the abilities of certain children, it's I don't think it'll ever be one size fits all. You know, there can be. Uh, yeah, I suppose there could be a playground that has a has an area that that actually focuses on something particular for some mm -hmm. some sort of uh, therapy of some sort. But yeah, that that's a challenge. Playgrounds. Uh, we didn't work on on really playground Fisher Price. I did a little bit at, at Little Tights because I used to do the outdoor stuff. It's still not quite the same. That is a challenge. It certainly is. Uh, I, I do know there was a, a company that I I know in Canada that was actually developing playgrounds that um, I'm not sure exactly how it worked, but he but you would go go to, from one one activity to another, and there'd be a challenge, so to speak. Mm. You know, can you climb to the top and then cross over or something like that, mm -hmm. and then you kind of a game they, they turn the playground into a game versus just an activity it's kind of interesting so. yeah and there's also adventure playgrounds that are yeah popping up a little bit more in europe and and stuff that i'm aware of um but yeah yeah i was just wondering how how you would think about that when is it hard to play with others why is it hard when when is oh, it when is it hard to play with others? Well, again, it depends on the age, but um, um, you know, play play in a group is is a social activity, and so you got to be you got to the encouragement. That's why I mentioned early on the Coda Pillar 
was one of the few products I've ever worked on that actually had kids play together uh, because there's some independence. There's also um, at the earliest ages, there's, there's not a lot of um, mechanisms to make you think if I play with somebody, uh, I'm going to have more fun. You know, <laughs> you got to figure out exactly how that is. So playing, uh, playing socially is, is a always is a challenge. And that's why it's important to have parents be involved in their ch you know, children's play not just give them uh, a product. Uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be in-depth play, but, you know, uh, so can you make this do this, you know, or what happens when you do this? You know, that's mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And if, if they start to talk with their parents, chances are they're, start, they're starting to talk with other people when they when they develop it. Mm -hmm. Kids are very stubborn, and they don't like to socialize a lot, so. <laughs> Is, do you, can you relate to that? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I tend to be an introvert anyhow. So, <laughs> isn't that interesting? Yeah. Because... Well, I think most creative people tend to be introverts. I'm not sure why, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but your career has put you kind of really at the focus of uh, groups of people. And... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've uh, certainly as a designer myself, but also as a management executive and that sort of stuff. I've had to work with. A lot of creative people and creative people are a unique group of people mm. <laughs> and and you know it's there's an art to it believe me uh it's sort of like bringing up kids in a different way <laughs> with creative people you but it's all good. yeah there's it's, it's all good but it's a, uh -huh. it's a challenge it's an art uh -huh. yeah yeah because you have to you have to kind of uh, work with both you have to kind of bridge the gap between the you know the the board meeting uh yeah, yeah. goals and then the innovative creators who are actually making right and you got to make sure that they're happy and oh yeah there's happy. many many masters to serve in the in, in business of toy yeah. development and, and you know some are better than others you know i've had some uh marketing counterparts who have just been absolutely wonderful than others who are incredibly stubborn you know yes. <laughs> that sort of stuff. but that's part of business that's you know that, of course. That everywhere. No. what do you like to play that you can play without a device what do i like to play without a device mm -hmm. like without a without a figure without a device maybe at the dmv or at the airport or something like that well you know i mean it, yeah it, it would have to be where I'd have to know what the circumstance is that uh, that you'd want to play with a device or not, not a device. Um, I mean, there are there are just there are games you can do. I mean, because design is such an observational uh, part of you. Is I love just looking at people, mm. thinking about what they are. Look at their shape. Look at how fast they're walking. I wonder what they do. You know that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a different, I mean, that's, that's a, a version of play without being, you know, voyeuristic, but, you know, um, you know. They're a very voyeuristic people, actually. Yeah, 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 it, it is. I mean, but but based on, on observation, you know, how, how are somebody handling a certain situation? Yeah, we like to watch people watch. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's because it, it all kind of logs away. And, and I often say is that, you know, design is is taking a disparate points and bringing them together. So what you observed here may not be used until down the road over here and you bring them together at some, some point. I love that idea. It all kind of logs away. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's true. And that's with experience. But you know, it's it's, a, it's something that that does does happen. So yeah, the the conventional wisdom is oh, a designer just sits down and draws up a toy. It doesn't really work that way, you know. <laughs> so um, at least a meaningful toy, a meaningful product, or yeah, a meaningful you gotta, experience. Yeah, meaningful. you got to pull all of your early experience out of it, and all of your current experience, and all of yeah. your. Um, visual observations yeah yeah feeling you gotta you gotta kind of pull on all of that right yeah, exactly exactly something. exactly because and then make sure you work with the people that are creative and make sure they stay creative but stay stay in focus <laughs> which is always a challenge and so, so many times people get off on a track and you gotta keep things that's part of the management of design yeah. process so <laughs> right right not everything can be a giant mural, right? <laughs> exactly. And you know, the toy industry is um, a, a good portion of it. Uh, well, at least it has been, I, probably a little less now, but there were many uh, inventors, toy inventors out there, games and, and stuff. Mm -hmm. I was in the big houses and we used to look at, oh, maybe 3,000 submissions a year and take maybe two, three, you know, that sort of stuff. You know, and understand how that works and in, in things, and it it's the it's the art of looking at an idea and seeing where you think it might be applied to. You know, which is kind of interesting. Mm. One of the uh, one of the uh, really cool ideas that was brought in by an inventor was this: he just had a, a circuit board and uh, some stuff on the circuit board and some wheels. When you shook it, uh, it would take off, and I basically said, this is incredible. And we turned this into a multi, multi-million dollar brand called Shake and Go. Because Love what, what the kids do is they do this, set it down and it goes, which yeah. is like phenomenal. And, uh, you know, it's that simple, sometimes simple as two rocks, you know, that, that makes sense. But understanding where that is. Now, would I have come up with that idea? Probably not. You'd have to, you have to depend. So you get a lot of, you get inputs from a lot of different places, you know. Uh, which is important in the, in the toy industry. Yeah. So a little less so now because uh, inventors want a royalty. So you, you, you pay a royalty to an inventor, you pay a royalty for the licensed property, you pay, you pay margins. So all of a sudden the product suffers because you can't afford to make a great product. But that's, mm -hmm. that's just part of the issue right now, the toy industry. So mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of an issue everywhere, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, this was so fun. You've been great. Yeah. This has been fantastic. I love getting into the mind of a toy maker. And <laughs> yeah, it's not as uh, it's not as crazy and mysterious as it seems, but it's uh, it's fun. It's yeah. why it's why it's, you know. So it keeps you keeps you playful. It keeps you happy. You know, uh, which is important. So I'm so glad that you your playfulness. Now, I want you to get out there and play, everybody. Let's build a world that's a little lighter, a little less harsh, and a little more connected. Let's build the world that we want to have. And don't forget to follow Playfully on Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening right now. Our episodes come out on Wednesdays every week, so you can get inspired to play right over that hump through the rest of the week. 
I'd love to know what you think. So would you please leave me a comment? And if you liked the episode, share it with one or two others. And take care, everybody.